What is up, people, and thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I'm your host, EJ Stewart. It is championship week this week. AFC, NFC Championship Games will be happening this Sunday. We got the Chiefs hosting the Patriots. We got the Saints hosting the Rams. These are four of the best teams throughout the entire NFL season. Not too much of a surprise that these are the four teams left here before we get to Super Bowl Sunday in just a couple of weeks from now. So we'll be breaking down those matchups who we like in those games. Also, Kyler Murray decided to enter the NFL draft after a lot of conversation about whether or not he would stick with only baseball. He has decided to enter the NFL draft. So what does that mean for his future? And did he make the right choice? We'll talk about that as well. And the Los Angeles Lakers. They have been uh, very sporadic up and down since LeBron went out with an injury. He is reportedly close to returning. But after what we've seen from this erratic group, is it time for Magic and Palinka and company to really consider making massive trades to this roster? All that, plus Flames and Trash, plus Kendall's Court. Should be a great show. Of course, Kendall is my co-host back in Philadelphia, remote. Kendall, uh, what are you looking forward to talking about today? And What's up, man? Yeah, uh, I've got an interesting uh, Kendall's Court. Uh, We're going to be talking some Zion Williamson. And an NBA Hall of Famer uh, suggesting that Zion Williamson should stop playing for Duke. He should quit the rest of the college basketball season. We'll discuss what that means uh, and whether or not that makes any sense for Zion. Plus, um, I am interested to talk about this uh, Kyler Murray stuff. We kind of touched on it a little bit last week, but now we're kind of going to dive into his actual decision and really what what it will mean and whether or not, like I said, he... Uh, is making the smart decision because there are a lot of people that fall way far on both sides of the spectrum on this topic. So interested to hear what you guys got or what you have to say uh, in regards to this Kyler Murray situation. Yeah, I think I think it's one of I think it's one of the more interesting sports debates because I, I feel like it's not like I feel like no one is like wrong. Like it's it's a very interesting it, discussion. It, it, it's a heart overhead conversation. And, then, the and there's a lot conversation. And there's a, to me there's a lot of there are cases for both sides. And so yeah, I'm I'm interested to break that down. It should be a fun conversation. Let's start off though talking about championship week. Uh the Rams head to New Orleans to face the Saints in the NFC Championship game and of course New England travels to KC to face the Chiefs. Let's start off with that NFC Championship game kind of the Rams and the and the Saints. That game earlier they played this year, I think it gave the Rams their first loss of the season. Yes, it did. Uh, just checking that right now. It was the first loss the Rams were given when they headed to New Orleans and lost to the um, lost to the Saints uh, in a game that, that got away from them kind of quickly. And then they, they, they kind of fought to kind of hang in there, but they couldn't. They just could not hang with the Saints' high-powered offense. I thought the Saints last week, Kendall, came out the gates very slow. I don't know what their deal was. I, I kind of wonder if the bye... Sometimes the bye week can kind of work against you. I think the Patriots were the exact opposite with the bye week absolutely helped them. They were a team that looked dead on arrival heading into the playoffs, and then you could see they were much more refreshed last week. This week, I thought the Saints, the bye week kind of hurt them. They weren't very sharp. It took them a long time to kind of get going. And had they played against a better team than the Eagles, I think they would have lost that game. But they were more talented than the Eagles. Talent, at the end of the day... Rose to the occasion. The defense, I thought, played exceptionally well in the last two to three quarters, and they were able to close that deal. I thought the Rams looked great against the Cowboys. Uh, their running game 
was spectacular. And it was one of the things that we talked about in that game where the Cowboys' only shot was to be able to kind of hold the running game, something that they had done all year. And not only now do you have Gurley, who looked great in his first game back from injury, but now C.J. Anderson is running the rock like it's 2015. I mean, that's a, a potentially a really dangerous combination. So you got two two-headed monster pairs with the Saints and Kamara and Ingram, and now the Rams with uh, Gurley and, and and Anderson. So Kendall, interesting matchup. Both teams finished season thirteen and three. Who do you got going on to the Super Bowl in Atlanta? Yeah, yeah, very very interesting matchup. Um, I think both teams looked solid this weekend. I don't think either team played you know the, a. You know the Saints look solid. I thought they looked solid. I mean, they 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 started off the game dreadfully, obviously, and for three quarters, pretty much dominated uh, Philadelphia. But Philly had a chance to win that game up until the last minute. And I mean, we talked about last week on paper. There's no, there was no legitimate reason why this, <laughs> the Eagles would beat the Saints. That's other why. Than that's why I had a question magic. because to me, they should have never been up fourteen zero. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if they even look solid, but I give them solid because, like I said, I mean, they had a really bad first quarter, but they bounced back and they, they showed that championship grit to bounce back against the, the defending champs mm-hmm. um, down 14 zip in the first quarter. So uh, they can play better and you would think that they will play better, um, but they're also playing a much better team. And they their offense um i've seen their offense be way more explosive uh i thought the defense played well you know they had a tough first quarter but after that they uh they shut down uh foals in that philly offense so um i look i, I think a lot of this is going to be on i feel like the rams have they've got way they at I, I mean, I don't think this is a. I don't think this is crazy, but I think they have. I mean, I'm. I know they have more weapons than Philly does, and if they can get, if they can really get Gurley and Woods and some of these guys in space, and getting those guys have those guys make plays, uh, big yardish plays. I, I don't know if I, I'm not sure if this uh, this New Orleans team they have a great defense, um, but. I don't know if offensively they're going to really be able to, if they play the way they played last week, going to be able to keep up with uh, L.A. Now, if they play the way they've played on many occasions this season, uh, and they can get to that 31-point mark, um, this is a different ballgame. And I would say we talked about last week what's the number for, I think we were talking about Dallas, what's the number for Dallas to beat uh, L.A.? And I believe I said like, I think I said thirty one, not yeah. twenty four. And, and, and they lost, and they lost twenty two to thirty. <laughs> right, exactly. So you were yeah, right, so you basically. were pretty much right on the money. <laughs> oh, I think they're going to need about thirty one to win. Uh, I would say it's probably that same number this week for New Orleans. And look, I mean, you're at home uh, with a Super Bowl on the line. I've seen Drew Brees in this situation many on many occasions. Uh, maybe not many occasions, but as a as a Vikings fan, I've seen him on one <laughs> particular occasion. Uh, and he he lit us up. So, um, yeah, I, I would, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't bet too hard on, on the Rams. But I I would say that I think the Rams are going to win this game. So you got the Rams here this week. 
Yeah, I've got the Rams. Uh, I'm going to say that uh, Goff, make, Goff makes enough plays, and Aaron Donald, Marcus Peters, some of those guys on that defense uh, win in a tight game, make enough plays to uh, win this game for LA. This is a tough one for me, man, because I feel like when we, when we talked about this game uh, months ago when they played against each other, one of the things I remember talking about was the fact that I thought the Saints – were kind of the perfect matchup for the Rams, especially with what the Saints do offensively. The Rams, their defense has a lot of talent. I don't know if they've always played up to the level of their talent pool, but the one thing this defense is great at is rushing the passer. And Drew Brees, with the way he's able to get the ball out of his hand so quickly, really negates the ability of Aaron Donald and Ndamukong Sue. And, and, and these pass rushers and their ability to kind of get after the quarterback. So that hasn't changed. I mean, Drew Brees still has a lightning quick release. The Saints still run an offense that allows him to get the ball out of his hands quickly. So, I, I and, and the you know, as we saw, the Rams like to play a lot of man-to-man. And Marcus Peters got barbecued against Michael Thomas. Michael, I think he had 200, I think Thomas had 200 yards in that game. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I'm curious if Wade Phillips will will elect to maybe play a lot more of a safer defense in this game. That's not his mo, though. I mean, he's an aggressive defensive coordinator. He's like the opposite of his personality. You know, he's like he's a very charming, like kind of just like very like kind of like you know nice whole home kind of home yeah. kind of guy. But uh, defensively, he he his defenses play fast and aggressive. I don't know if I anticipate him changing his his uh his tendencies all of a sudden for this team. And I don't know if what, what I've seen from Peters this season and I, I and to leave and the rest of that secondary, I don't know if they can cover these guys, especially again, a guy like Michael Thomas, who I think Michael Thomas might be the most underrated player in the NFL. Like, I think that that's not a crazy statement at this point the, what he does week to week, the numbers he put up this season. I mean, I'm hard pressed to find, four or five receivers I would name that I would take over him at this point. He's got size. He's strong. I expect him to have a big game this week. He had a big game this past weekend against the Eagles, against that uh, you know beat-up secondary. I-, I think the Saints will learn from the mistakes of last week. I expect Re- River, I mean, excuse me, Breeze to be able to get the ball out of his hands quick enough. And a game like this, where everything's on the line trying to get to the Super Bowl, am I going to trust Breeze and Peyton or am I going to trust Goff and McVeigh. It's nothing against Goff and McVeigh, but I, I do believe in that adage that you kind of have to go through it and kind of fail before you kind of really break through. And I saw Peyton and Breeze do. I saw them go. Uh, I think they went to Chicago in 2006. The first time they went to the NFC Championship game, went in that cold weather and got beat up by the Bears, who ended up losing yeah. to uh to to the Colts in the Super Bowl. <laughs> but like they they needed that experience, and then when they got their shot years later. They didn't miss when they faced you guys in the NFC Championship game, the Vikings. I think McVay and Goff may need this experience, you know, and, and and that home crowd, Kendall. As someone, I've never been to a Saints game, but I've been to the the Superdome, and I know how loud it can get in there when things are are, are hot. And that place is going to be crazy. Uh, it's going to be a fun game. Uh, the the one thing that I worry about with the Saints is will is their ability to stop the run because this. This running attack that we see from the Rams has been crazy, but I think that that emotion and that energy having the home field will will be enough. I think this is going to be a high scoring affair, but I got the Saints in a close one. 
Yeah. Um, it's funny. I was watching uh, on Sunday. Memphis was playing uh, Tulane on the road in New Orleans, and um, there were more Memphis fans than there were Tulane fans there. But a lot of that was because everyone in the city of New Orleans was either in the two room yeah. or at a bar watching the Saints game I mean, or Kendall, at home watching the Saints game. Kendall, I've been in that city when multiple the, times when the Saints yes, multiple times. So I know and I've been there when the Saints were on their way to the Super Bowl. Literally last the, before I went there this past uh spring, the last time I went there was the time when the Saints went to the Super Bowl. And I'm telling you there's nothing like New Orleans when the Saints are this close. Like the the whole the way the city rallies around that team, there are That's, very few places. Philly, you know, Philly is like that as with the Eagles yeah. too. There are the other cities that are, are great as well, and they are maybe equal to New Orleans, but it's just a different feel, man. That, that's why I don't I don't buy the notion, and we'll get to we'll probably get to a little bit of Anthony Davis talk later, but I don't get the notion that, um, you know, oh, if Anthony Davis leaves, then the New Orleans should move to Seattle, the Pelicans should move to Seattle, or something like that. I feel like I know they're not a huge NBA market in some regards they're the smallest. And some people may say it's a football town, but I feel like if you get a competitive, a seriously competitive team in New Orleans, I think that could be a rich basketball city. I agree with you. I think I think that New Orleans, you're right. It definitely is a football town between uh, between not only the Saints, but LSU, which is down the road at Baton Rouge. It is absolutely a football town and it's a football state, but I also agree that it's the city, and again, it's this. It's very different, but in some ways, it doesn't remind me of Philadelphia. In that, the city is extremely loyal to its local acts. Is it? Is this? Right. You know what I'm saying? Now, the Saint, the Pelicans have given the city no reason really to buy into them, but all they need, I think, is just a really good team. And I think if you got that, I mean, think about what the Saints. I mean, the Saints. You you are a little young, Kendall, but I remember right. I was I kind of started watching football when the Saints started to become respectable. The Saints yeah. were kind of like the Browns and like the Bengals back exactly. way back in the day. I mean, they were called the Aints. That's how bad things were. So, like, this is a franchise that, that survived the 70s, the 80s. They had a little bit of success in the 90s, but then even the 90s was rough. But, I mean, the 70s and 80s for the Saints was just, it was like, they. I don't know if they Perpetual made, losing. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if they made the playoffs. Like, that's how, that's, why, that's how bad it was. That's why Archie Manning doesn't get that pro career recognition really yes he's in the hall of fame because of how bad his teams were even though he was a spectacular one man talent it didn't matter because his teams were awful and he couldn't overcome that so i I agree with you i know we're on a tangent about the city but i I agree that if if they got a winner in that city the city is loyal they'll they'll be loyal to even a loser i think they've been as loyal as they could to this terrible team that they've had but if they if things got right I, i agree i don't i don't I, I hope that we don't lose a city like New Orleans to get a city like Seattle. It's just a, it's frustrating that we had to lose Seattle for the nonsense that happened. But um, I don't think I feel I, I'm in favor of expansion, but that's a whole nother. I'm not in favor of that, but that is definitely a whole nother conversation. <laughs> uh, but let's let's talk about the other game, the the uh, AFC Championship game between the Saints. And, excuse me, the uh, Patriots and the Chiefs. 
Kendall, I was thoroughly impressed with what the Patriots did to the San Diego uh, the, ah jeez LA Chargers. <laughs> I almost did it. Uh, <laughs> I was thoroughly impressed with what they did to the Chargers. They were how did uh how did how did uh with Danny Thompson play? Oh, I think you were gonna say how did Hunter Henry do? I was gonna say actually he did play. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> did, you believe, did you read playing this game? <laughs> no, he did not. Jay Lee was only in New Orleans. He was not playing for the then San Diego Chargers. Nah, uh, I, I was thoroughly impressed with how the Patriots played against the LA Rams. I mean, LA Chargers, Jesus, I'm all over the place now. Um, me, you, and Rob last week, shout out to, shout out to Rob the Ray, of course. We all thought that the right, you picked the Rams, uh, the Chargers too, right? No, I picked the Patriots. Oh, you did pick the Patriots. I, think, I might have said they were going to roll. I don't remember. I think okay. I said they were going to roll. You might, so you were ahead of the curve. Me and Rob thought that the Chargers were by far the better team. That clearly was not the case. They clearly weren't by far the better team. I do think that the East Coast trips. And the early starts did get to them. I don't. I mean, it's not an excuse. Football, football. But I just think that is something that happened. It's not easy. Yeah, it's not easy. It's like a back to back. It's like back to back in the NBA. Yeah, and it's you're like, playing. I mean, you're, you're supposed to win those games, but I mean, you're really not supposed to win those games. Yeah, and you're playing against high level competition. We talk about the playoffs. All the teams that make the playoffs are good. So yeah, you know, you play a physical game against the Ravens, and then you got to go back the week and fly back out to New England and play in 20 degree weather. It's just it's just a tough. It's a tough. It's a, it's a tough draw. You know. And at the end of the day, they would have beat the Ravens in the regular season. They would have never had to make that trip. So that's why I don't have any sympathy for them. But it is what it is. Uh, the Patriots were dominant. Their ability to run the ball was, was impressive. I think uh, Michelle Michelle looked great, I thought, in that game. Brady looked sharp as well. I mean, it, it, the question for me, I guess, is how much of it was the Chargers just just not being able to play that game for whatever right, reason. Right, just jet lag. <laughs> right. Like, was it the Chargers had no chance because of their circumstances? Or was it because the Patriots were just that much, that much better? And they, they, that, they, they out-schemed them that well. They out, they bullied them that well. And it's, it's really hard to tell for me. Uh, I thought the Chiefs played really well in their game at home. Um, There were questions about whether or not they would be able to, to, to rise to the challenge. I had questions about whether or not they will be able to play at the physical level that the Colts are able to play. And I thought they punched the Colts in the mouth. I thought that I was dead wrong about that front four and that front seven, how they would handle the Colts offensive line. I thought the Colts had massive problems blocking them, which is something that I just did not expect to happen. Rob DeRay was right on the money kind of hinting that this is the kind of front line that could give them issues, and they did. So this is a, a, a good matchup. Again, of course, these are you know two teams that had been one and two, for, for pretty much the entire season, the Patriots had not been a very good road team. All five of their losses this year were away from Foxborough. So, you know, they only have three wins at, on the road. They've All their losses came on the road. Kendall, do you think they get a 6-1 when they travel to KC? Yeah, I mean, the Patriots were very impressive. Um, I don't know what their record is or Belichick's record is when, they're, uh, when they get a bye week. Um and they're with the record in the divisional round, but I I, I almost feel like the the Patriots are like Batman, where you give them time to prepare, you're you're, you're gonna lose. Yeah, <laughs> I I mean and I'm I, trying to think about it, Kendall. I I can't remember him ever losing a divisional round where he came off a bye. Well, I'm right. trying like maybe it's happened, but as someone who followed the Patriots, unfortunately, because I'm a Jets fan, guy, yeah, I can't think of a time when it happened. I've seen them losing a wild card game in the first round. Um. And then we clipped them. That was the only. That was a, that was one of the only. That might be the only time. Uh, Rex and them went in there, beat them, 
And it was a big yes, they did. I remember that game. Uh, hey, remember how surprising that was? <laughs> that that seemed like the most. That seemed like one of the most unlikely scenarios. Mark Sanchez and that Jets team going in there. Sanchez still has more role playoff wins than Tom Brady does. He has more role playoff wins than a lot of Hall of Famers. It's yeah. pretty remarkable. I mean, all I, off of like two two playoff. Yeah, runs. over two playoff runs. But I mean, every game they played was on the road. <laughs> so yeah, and they won. The Jets played well in those playoffs. They won a lot of games. But um, yeah, I, I think that might be the only time because I, I the other times I seen them lose, it was either conference championship game or they lost in a wild card round at home. But rarely have I do I remember him ever losing in the in the division round where he's home coming off a bye. Brady and yeah. Belichick don't do that. Uh, I I'm gonna say look. So, like I said, they were clearly the more prepared team against L.A. Uh, they had a game plan. They executed it to perfection. Um, we all know Belichick is probably the best coach in football right now. So, um, it, it shouldn't be that shocking, the outcome. But now you have uh, the same amount of time to prepare as Casey. Um, you you're facing a team, uh, with a much more dynamic quarterback. Yeah, who who will obviously give them way more problems than Philip Rivers. Who's not zero for nine in his career against Tom Brady. Exactly, he's over one. The boogeyman, but but Belichick and Brady are the boogeyman for Philip Rivers. Yeah, there's not that mental block. Yeah, clearly it had to have gotten to him a little bit. Um, so we're going up against a guy that uh, has no, at least apparent, fear of the Patriots. Um, has more weapons at his disposal, uh, and a defense that looked <laughs> it looked great against the. I mean, I I thought the Colts were gonna were gonna beat the Chiefs. Yeah, and they, I mean, they just destroyed Indianapolis. Yeah, they smothered them. Um, yeah, they they, they looked them. like a team that was that they look like a team that's on a mission to win a Super Bowl. And they look um, comfortable. You know, they look comfortable in that snow cold weather. There were questions yeah. about if this high-powered offense, this speedball kind of team, would how they would play at home because of the elements. And that was a kind of perfect game, a physical team, uh, a run-first team, um, a, a big offensive line, your team, you're going to have to run the ball in this game to win. Can you do it? They ran for 180 yards. Yeah, exactly. Um, I... This is this is this game. I think is. I mean, these are both incredible games. They're great games. Um, this is a great championship weekend. But before I pick, who do you think? If who do you think Roger Goodell is rooting for? Who do you think the lead, Who do you think Roger, CBS Roger is Goodell for? is rooting for the Patriots and the Rams this weekend? You think that's the best? Uh, the easiest matchup to market? Yeah. Boston I, I, versus Boston versus LA is always money. Yeah. And then now, you know. You, you know, you got the new Belichick guard with, McVay. yeah, new guard versus the old guard. With we kind of have it this weekend, but still, with McVeigh and Goff versus Brady and Belichick, yeah, it's too easy. The Rams have a bunch of stars. That's the game you want. I think Chiefs Rams is also. I mean, I think all, any of these matches. Are all these matches could be great. I don't. I think he's very happy. I think that he could live with yeah. anything that happens. But I, mean, I think he's, that, he's glad the Colts are out. You know, he's glad. Uh, I mean, I don't know if he's glad the Eagles are out, but um, I'm, you know, I think he likes the matchups. He likes the teams he's been left with. Definitely. Uh, I I'm gonna say that the I'm gonna say the Patriots win this one. 
Mm. And this one, less about logic and more about just feel. But when I look at, because again, I, the Chiefs are, I mean, the Chiefs are a better team than the Patriots. Uh, they've been better all season, but the Patriots seem to be getting on a roll. They seem to be playing well. I mean, they played great football uh, recently, and as have the Chiefs. But when it comes to these kind of moments, I, I just trust. I'm gonna say that I trust Belichick and Brady slightly more than I trust uh, Mahomes and Reed. Not slightly more, a lot more than I trust Mahomes and Reed. Um. It's funny, also, we talked about, you know, will old Andy Reid kind of rear his ugly head in that game last week. And the game, I mean, to be honest, he prepared his team so well, and they were so ready to play. I mean, they never got, we never got into those nip and tuck situations where weird play calling, bad time management became an issue for him. I I would imagine this is going to be a closer game. I think that the Chiefs are still, I thought the Rams, I thought the Chargers were a much better team. I think the Chiefs are a much better team than the Patriots. I won't say much better because I think the Patriots showed that when healthy with the week that they're made better than I thought. But I think the Chiefs are better than the Patriots. They don't have yeah. the experience, which is a big factor. Um, they don't have Belichick, which is a big factor. So that kind of closes the gap. But I, I, I still feel like at the end of the day, the, the Chiefs have too many weapons, too much uh, just too many better players. I know that sounds very like basic, but when I just look on the eleven guys playing for the Patriots and the eleven guys playing for the Chiefs, and I, I don't see, I, I don't, I don't see how the Patriots are able to keep up. Um, would, it would take a, it would. I thought Belichick's defensive game plan against the Chargers was tremendous. I think it would take an even greater defensive, uh, defensive game plan to to slow down uh, these Chiefs, and and he has. A decent defense that I think has played has gotten better as the year has gone on, but this is a different animal when you're playing against a guy like Mahomes and what he can do from that from that from that quarterback position. Uh, he just presents more challenges than uh, Phil Rivers. Uh, a guy like Tyreek Hill presents way more challenges. He, he's not. I'm not saying he's he's him and Keenan Allen's a great receiver too, but he's just, he's a different dynamic kind of receiver. Uh, Travis Kelsey, a different kind of tight end. Um, then the guys we've seen in, in San Diego, you know, old Antonio River, Antonio uh, Antonio Gates, and uh, you know, Hunter Henry coming off ACL injury or Achilles injury, like this is a different team. So I, I'm gonna say that talent kind of cream rises to the top, and I say the, the Chiefs find a way to, to to pull this one out. I don't this know would if Brady be, catches up. This would be Brady's most impressive win, right? This depending this on the context. Almost, this is almost it's not the same, but if Brady gets this win, I almost feel like this would be kind of like when LeBron beat the Warriors to me, right? Because it's like on the road, like that team clearly has more talent than your team. There's really no reason other than it experience for your team to beat them. Yeah, and if he finds a way to do it this weekend, he does it on his back. Then it's the MVP of the league, probably. Yeah, you're playing against. I mean, it's. It, the only reason why I can't say is like the Warriors because it's not like the Chiefs are the best team ever. You know, they're a good right, team. They exactly. could win the Super Bowl, but they, they wouldn't be in the top 20 Super Bowl champions. But, clear, but I mean, to me, the Patriots, if they won the Super Bowl, wouldn't be in the top 50 or 40, maybe. There's 50 Super Bowl champions. Top 40 <laughs> or 30. Like, I mean, <laughs> like, damn, this is the worst Super Bowl I know, they, That ever. means they'd be like, you know, 50 out of like, you know, 54 or whatever, however, whatever Super Bowls we're at now. Um, 
So not Philly, but they wouldn't be in the top thirty-five to me. This is not a great Patriots yeah, team right. by any stretch of the imagination. So if he won this one, that would be very remarkable. I don't see it happening, but I think this would be a pretty close game. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it'll be close as well. Um it it's gonna be interesting uh for the for the NFL re- record books. Uh Brady we we always have that GOAT conversation with Brady, you know. He's gotten to that Dick Saban point where, like, we have the same redundant conversation. Is, is Does this make him the greatest player of all time, you know, after every <laughs> milestone? But um, I feel like this is another week where if, if he can get this win, we'll continue to have that conversation. I want to uh, move on to now one of the, one of the bigger stories we have uh, we've had this week, which was the, uh, the decision by Kyla Murray to enter his name into the – NFL draft so it really will now kind of create a a big decision for him on whether to play football or play baseball he was drafted by the Oakland A's he currently has a contract with the A's that includes a 4.6 million dollar signing bonus but of course Kyler Murray is the reigning Heisman Trophy winner he did take Oklahoma to the uh, Cofball playoff this year uh, NFL draft experts are pegging him as a potential first-round pick. We talked earlier last week about the Cardinals being number one, and would they consider him, considering how much we know Cliff Kingsbury likes Kyler Murray. Kendall, what do you think Kyler Murray should do? Because there's a lot of conversation about whether or not this is the right decision. We know baseball is not nearly as, da- the dangerous, as, as dangerous as football. We know that contracts in baseball, once you get to the major leagues and get past arbitration, are a lot more lucrative and more guaranteed than NFL contracts. But there is the uh, immediate satisfaction of playing in the in the NFL, not having to play in the minors, uh, getting that money immediately. Uh, so it's it's it, there are, are, are there are things on both sides. Obviously, what what do you make of what Kyler Murray has done, and what do you think he should do ultimately? Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. Uh, I'm not surprised he entered the draft. Uh, I, I I told I, I I told somebody like a couple of weeks ago. I was like, um, yeah, you know, it looks it looks like Murray's gonna enter the draft. So, uh, you know, I don't know what the Giants are gonna do. And they were like, what are you? At the time, they were like, what are you talking about? Murray's gonna enter the draft. You know, he's every time for he's gonna play baseball, but. Uh, if following this closely, you could you could have you could have told for a while that uh, after he won the Heisman, it was pretty clear that this is where this was headed. Um, and it's I mean it's interesting because going into the season at Oklahoma, he was all in on look play this one year. Him and Scott Boris kept saying play this one year, and then he's gonna go to the he's gonna report to the A's. But we have to also realize that Kyler Murray didn't think he'd be the number one pick in the draft. I don't think Kyler Murray thought he, or may have thought he had a shot, but I don't think he expected to win the Heisman Trophy. So, I mean, this was his first year as a starter. So, is he really? Is Kyler Murray really going to come out and say, "Yeah, you know, I, 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 I just got drafted ninth by the Oakland A's, but I'm a, you know, I'm kind of going to wait out my options, see what I do this season in Oklahoma. Maybe I'll go to the NFL." Uh, nobody in the NFL is talking about Kyler Murray this time uh, last year, so. It's not really a uh, that's that what that, that's not fair for 
you know, people that are kind of blasting him saying, oh, he's going back on the Oakland A's. He signed a contract. I mean, I don't blame him for that. Now, if we're going to evaluate what he should do, I look at, all right, you talk about the long-term implications of playing football. Obviously, uh, it's not good for your health. That's that. That's very important, obviously. And, I, I mean, I'm assuming he's considering that. But assuming he's somewhat fine with that risk, um, I I understand his decision to want to play football. If that, which seems like that's what he wants to do, because you think about if he goes to play baseball. Honestly, I I would lean trying to play both if I could. But if he goes to play baseball, I mean, I follow the MLB draft a lot, and I don't. There are a lot of dudes that get drafted. I mean, I watch it every year. There are a lot of dudes that get drafted that don't make it to the major league. If they do, they're they're just average guys at the most. And I mean, there's a misconception. I think there's a misconception out there that while yes, there are average baseball players that are making a ton of money, you know, guys that are you know fourth rotation starters making ten plus million dollars a year, but even if you're a fourth rotation starter in the major leagues, you're still a heck of a player. You know, like, there are a lot of dudes in the minor leagues, a lot of dudes trying to be major league baseball players. Uh, there aren't that many starting. There's only 30. I mean, if we're talking about the outfield, there's only 90 outfield spots, starting outfield spots in baseball. Yeah. Like, I mean, if Kyle, if you told me Kyler Murray would be one of the 90 best outfielders in all of baseball, I mean, that's not a guarantee. Uh, he was... As, look, I, I mean, as much as I want him to be great in baseball, everything I, I had heard was that he was a reach at nine. Everything that I had heard going through the draft was he was going to get drafted around, uh, you know, 18 to 30, you know, be a late first round pick. The A's inexplicably drafted him at nine, which, knowing the risk, I mean, I don't think they thought it was a risk, which may not have been smart by Billy Be- on Billy Bean's uh, uh, calculation. Also, I think they're being cheap. You know, they figured they can get a guy that uh, was below where he's supposed to be slotted. But um, point being, I don't think that the I, I think the risk of playing baseball and him not panning out and then trying to play football after that, if he doesn't pan out, is higher than he goes to the NFL. Um, he's going to get a quick buck because he'll get drafted in the top 10 without a doubt. And when he gets drafted in the top 10 in today's day and age with, the, with a player like Kyler Murray. He's not a developmental quarterback. He's going to play from likely at some point in his rookie year, if not day one, given his skill set. And that guy, you don't. I don't think you pass up. You don't, I don't think you pass that up, given the endorsement money he's also going to have. But something I also mentioned to somebody else is I feel like if I were Kyler Murray or if I was his agent, whoever his agent in football is, assuming it's not Scott Boris, I would do the Kobe Bryant, the Eli Manning. And I would force my way to whatever team I want to go to. I would have said that that was the Giants before this whole Cliff Kingsbury thing. Now, if I mean, if the Cardinals want to draft me at one, I would just take that. But um, if you want to force your way to New York, I'd much rather be a starting quarterback of the Giants than a right fielder or a center fielder for the whatever their the A's Double A team is, and then eventually their their start. Even if you're their starting right fielder. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the best job. Well, you know, Kendall, what I'm hearing is that they're trying to 
you know, him, you know, the A's are, 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 you know, speaking with him, and he still has a chance to choose baseball. Uh, but they're trying to figure out what's it going to take for him to, to come play baseball. Now, there may be some restrictions on how much money he can actually get, but he, there have been conversations that he may want upwards to fifteen million dollars guaranteed in order to play. Yeah, baseball. the MLB seems to be they're going to be lifting all restrictions. They're going to say they can give him a major league contract. So and, and I which think gives he, him all the leverage. And he may want to he may want to try to forego a lot of that stuff that we were talking about in terms of him having to you know ride the bus so to speak through the minors so he doesn't have to do that. I mean, I'll tell you what, like one of the things that's really beautiful about this to me is that, you know, there here's an athlete who's so gifted in two sports that he really now has ultimate all, leverage. Oh yeah, all leverage. I mean, I can't remember the last time a, a college athlete came into his professional sport with pretty much all the leverage he wants. I, I think it's an interesting discussion. Uh, to me, you know, Rod Ray had wrote a really great article on, for the hub.news, which you guys should all check out, the website I write, work for as a sports editor, laying out the reasons why he should play football. He mentioned the idea that, um, you know, the, the carrot of the guaranteed contract in baseball is a little is a little overstated when you consider how long it takes for guys to actually get to that guaranteed contract and how... Uh, basically miserable and how cheap it is to play minor league baseball. And, you know, if we are indeed just looking at that $4 million signing bonus, that's something that you can blow through pretty quickly. And it may take him years before he gets to the majors and how few guys get those contracts and uh, those $300 million contracts of Manny Machado and uh, Bryce Harper contract. We're talking about them getting those contracts go few and far between. Um, He made a great chart about how, uh, a guy like uh, Manny Machado was given a $5 million signing bonus, but then for his first three or four years playing baseball, made $112,495,515,548 before he even saw any nine-figure salary. There there are players like Andy, you know, he mentioned how Andy Dalton, and there, there are average quarterbacks. Making millions of dollars from day one, <laughs> you know, average quarterbacks that after a few good seasons get to make ten, fifteen million dollars. So now, obviously, there's a huge risk. There's a physical risk that goes into playing football that isn't quite there when you play baseball. But you know, when we're talking about that, the chances to get those million dollar contracts, it's a lot longer of a wait, and you gotta be really good, you know, because you could easily fall by the wayside in the minor leagues at some point and just really never get there. So. There's a so there's there's cases made on both sides. I I I really don't know honestly. I, it's hard for me to look at a kid and say what it, should you do because at the end of the day, it, it's got to be what's in your heart. If his heart wants to yeah, play football, yeah, what does he want to do? Yeah, if his heart wants to play football, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm one of those people. I think you forego the health, forego the numbers, and if that's what he wants to do. That's what he wants to do. I, I don't think you if, if his heart's in something else. I, so my thing is, if his heart's in football and he he does baseball because of money or because of safety. I I don't will he be as good? Will he be as good as he can be? You know what I'm saying? Like, right. Will he always have in the back of his head, damn. I want to like, play football. I should be I'm better at football. Yeah, I should have a helmet. Like I don't you know, like if that's something that's going to be in his head, if it's not and all things are equal. Every time he's played baseball, the rest of his you know, every year of his life he's played baseball. It's been as a side sport. It's been yeah, you know, this is fun. I like doing this. I'm also a football player. How is he going to be as a baseball player psychologically knowing that he's not a football player? That is not his job. 
This is not. Yeah, that's, that's, this is not <laughs> another thing he likes to do. You know, that's different. And he's again, he's super gifted. Uh, but that, that's a whole different animal. And now you also have to ask the question: How good can he be in baseball if he puts one hundred and ten percent into it? Right. So there's because that. I think too. we'd all argue that baseball is probably, at least for his position, which is the outfield, probably harder than. I wouldn't say it's harder than quarterback, but for someone as athletically gifted as Murray is, I'll say it's harder than quarterback. I think hitting I think a ba- harder than quarterback. I think hitting a baseball in terms of there are I very mean, there are very few things in sports I think that are that's harder than hitting a baseball. Maybe maybe exactly. golf. Like it's very so the numbers are very the, the the things that are harder in sports are very small in terms of things harder than baseball. The, the level of skill that's involved uh, than what it is in football, and if if he dedicates more time to that, I mean, he was the ninth pick now. Um, Harold Reynolds, who I mean, I respect his baseball acumen, said during the draft that he would have dressed number one. Um, I don't, I mean, that's not anything that I've heard from any real scouts, but. Um, what are you saying? Harold Reynolds is not a real scout? Well, I, I mean, I don't, I, yeah, I, I don't think Harold Reynolds is watching hours of film on all these draft prospects, but. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't remember his exact logic, but I believe he was just talking about the level of athlete that this kid is. He would he would be willing to draft that kid with the number one pick. Um, and I can see that logic of look, this kid's been putting so much time in, in football all of his life, and he gets rid of that. And now he's just playing baseball full time. That could be a. I mean, that's now the situation where he's superstar. But you also have to remember that this kid isn't Shohei Otani. You know, Shohei Otani came in to the league, and he had, he bypassed the minor leagues. He bypassed all that stuff. Um, he didn't. He had. He didn't get a big contract. He he got you know the rookie wage go or whatever. But he bypassed um, the normal uh, progression of a young baseball player because he had already accomplished so many things professionally. Over he's kind of Luka Doncic, and Kyler Murray is not that. He's a normal college baseball player. Wasn't like some superstar. I'm sure he was a great player, but wasn't like he was the best player in the country at Oklahoma in, in baseball. Um, he's much more gifted naturally in 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 football. He's much. He's a better player. So I I, I would always lean do what you're better at, and I think he's better at football. And, and I think it's best for his brand to play football. And I think if he plays football now, baseball will always be there. Assuming he doesn't, That's get hurt, true. which is always obviously. I, a, to be honest, kind of, I, I think both sports will always be there. I think that whenever he decides, I, I don't want to do this thing, the other sport will take him. I saw it with Drew Henson, who decided to go play baseball for the New York Yankees, and once that didn't work out, the Cowboys picked him up immediately because at the end of the day, he's at the very least a commodity. You know, he's a very right. least box office. If you hire the guy to play baseball to play football, or you get the guy who played football to go play baseball. People love well, those two sport athletes. Brand. He's gonna get he's gonna get signed to the other sport as soon as he decides he can't do the other sport or doesn't want to do the other sport anymore. I think it's much better for his brand to do the Tebow route than the Drew Henson route. Because I, is there any way he can play both sports? Why is that not being discussed? I, I think I think that is. You know, Deion Sanders came out and said flat. He should not play baseball. That. Yeah, yeah. Put the put the bat, <laughs> put the put the helmet down, pick up the bat, and don't look back. Is what he said. Yeah. And I tell you what, Deion Sanders. He, Deion Sanders made a lot of money as a Hall of Fame football player. So for him to say that 
That speaks. He said a he lot. wishes he put more time into his baseball career. That speaks a lot to me too. The 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 dangers and the physical wear and tear of football. When I heard, and he still that. makes money off of football. Yeah, he still makes money off it. He's still saying no. Can, that was I a mean, bad he can decision. make money off in theory. I mean, I don't. It's not him personally, but his industry makes money off of Kyler Murray. I know. So you that, know, like that told me it, you a think lot. he have motivation to say, yeah, I want this. Huge story to and his sons play football. Come to my league. Both his yeah, sons son are football. about to play college football. Multiple sons, you know. He has his his one son's one of the best quarterbacks in high school football. Yeah. So so I mean, that told me a, that did intro. tell me that did tell me a lot. I'm not gonna lie. But uh, Kyler Murray, man, wish you nothing but the best. Uh, you want to announce your decision? You're always free to come on New Generation Sports Talk podcast. <laughs> when you want to, and you know, I know people like to go to the uh, the what's that one? The uh, the Players Tribune. Players Tribune, uh, uninterrupted. And, and, and to find Lee Jenkins to do a, a piece on Sports Illustrated, but make, make New Generation the spot to go to, Kyler. We will gladly host your decision, but uh, we wish you the best with whatever decision you do. But uh, quickly, Kendall, before we do Flames and Trash, I do want to talk about these Lakers because, uh, needless to say, they have been very unimpressive since LeBron went down on Christmas Day. Of course, that was at huge game where you know everybody kind of was wondering what the Lakers were going to look like and even after LeBron got hurt they went on a, a rampage and beat the Warriors by 20 26 points since then they've looked awful I mean, I'm just gonna say like that to me they've looked like a team that absolutely cannot compete to get past first round in the Western Conference if they even make the playoffs with the guys they have without LeBron they have lost to the Knicks they lost to the Cavs recently they barely beat the Bulls at home um, they lost to the Kings. Well, not that not bad, but they they lost. They have lost to the Kings. They lost to the T Wolves, and a lot of these games, Kendall, they've looked hapless. And a lot of people are now asking questions. Well, with the way they have played, it, is it time for Magic and Palinka to look at this uh, quote unquote supporting cast and say that it's time to now make a massive move to change things because this team right here can't compete in the West. Well, yeah, and I mean, and is it maybe time to get rid of Lou Walton? Because then Lou Walton becomes in the conversation too. Because at the end of the day, he's he's the guy running the show, and this is how they looked without LeBron. Yes, um, but are we really? I mean, are we really going to do this? This whole—that's what people are doing. Lou Walton, the bad coach, because That's, it's happening, Kendall. Because they're not. We they, want to. Not, this is what's happening. They, 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 because they're not playing well without LeBron James. I mean, do they? Have they seen what the Cleveland Cavaliers have been without LeBron James? Did they see what the Cavs were the first time LeBron left? Uh, did they see what the Cavs are now? Do they or do they did see they, what the Cavs they, are now? Did they watch the 2017-2018 Los Angeles Lakers? Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, what do what it wasn't like they, we they, just saw these guys without LeBron last year? It wasn't that long ago. This team is specifically extru- constructed Magic and Palenka specifically constructed this team to be good with LeBron James. If they had any other theory of oh yeah, well if LeBron gets hurt, these guys can these guys can hold the fort down. The roster doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. They they got a whole bunch of guys that either need LeBron to, <laughs> that can't score or need LeBron to set them up. And I look, Kuzma is the one guy that 
And you would think, in theory, Ingram and Ball. Those are the three guys, and all those guys, obviously, are their blue chip prospects. Mm-hmm. But those are the three guys that really don't need LeBron to be successful. Um, as I mean, we've seen Kuzma. Uh, he's just a stud. You were 100% right about Kyle Kuzma. Um, Ingram, is still, he's a more awkward fit, honestly, with LeBron than he is without LeBron. And Ball, uh, and then Rondo, who's also who's also been hurt. But Ball is, is a playmaker. He can kind of do his own thing. But I actually like Ball probably better with LeBron. The rest of these guys can't really do anything without LeBron James. And, and even the guys that I just named can't be the best players on your team. And that's what they are right now. So I'm no way am I blaming Luke Walton. Honestly, I don't really blame Magic and Palenka that much. They rolled they rolled the dice. I mean, anybody that was give I said I said before, um, anyone that was giving these guys all the credit in the world, they did a good job. You know, they they certainly, especially Palenka, and you got to throw Magic in there. But I think Palenka, being an agent, had the wherewithal to know how to uh, curry favor with Rich Paul. So I'll give him that credit. But at the end of the day. All they did was look. LeBron kind of fell in their lap, mm-hmm. given the circumstances of him having multiple houses in L.A. and him trying to advance his movie career. Now he could have went to the Clippers, but one, it would have been best for his brand, and two, you know, Magic and Palenka did a good job. So I love give him that. But it's not like they went out and got like a super team. He didn't do what they didn't do. They got LeBron, and they were just like, all right, we're we're, we're set. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so that's on them. So if they thought that, look, and I don't blame them that much because they built this team thinking LeBron was going to be healthy. They, I mean, he's been healthy his entire career, so you don't expect him to be out for a month or two. But um, that's where they find themselves now. I wouldn't make a move. Um, well, it depends on what the move is. If you would have told me the move was Bradley Beal, that's kind of dead now with the way he's playing. I would do that. You don't think the, would, because of the way Beal's play, you don't think the Wizards would even entertain a trade for him? No, he's untouchable at this point. He's the guy you build around. Um, they, they they don't seem interested in tanking. Uh, that, they were. I think, I think that's a bad, I think that's I think that's a terrible mistake. I mean, and, if and you can get a King's has, ransom for it, has nothing to do with Bradley Beal's ability. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, it, I, well no, I'm gonna take that back. It kind of does have something to do with his ability. I don't think he's a. I love Bradley Beal. I love again. I liked him when he was coming he's out. Not of a franchise draft. player, though. You're not winning anything with him as your best player. I mean, you just call it 100. You just keep it 100. Call a spade a spade. Like he's your best player. You're in a lot of trouble. And it's you're not right. that. And he's a all star player. But he's it's like 25 like, years old. So you got like three, four years to. I guess my I guess my thing I guess my thing would be if there was a way where the Wizards could find a way to pair him with a. A star that's not John Wall, some other guy who's really good. That's different. If I'm pairing him with another All Star, I say, okay, now I feel comfortable. But the Wizards with the, that terrible Wall contract that they're not going to be able to get out of, and the cap hell that they're in, there's no hope for them. I don't know what they think Bradley Beal is going to do for them by himself. So that's why I say that. Yeah. Um, the Anthony Davis thing right now is a pipe dream. Uh, the Pelicans aren't going to trade Davis this season um, unless Davis comes out and says he wants to trade. But, I mean, Rich Paul said that him and Davis haven't talked about uh, leaving New Orleans um, or his situation in New Orleans. I don't know if I entirely believe that, but that's what they're telling the media right now. So um, I, I don't believe that at all. 
Yeah, I don't think that makes any sense. There's no way you there's no way you fire your old agent, hire Yeah, there's no money. way you sign and, why and, yeah, and why a conversation and a conversation doesn't happen where you talk about what your situation is in New Orleans. That's just Yeah, that that's don't really that's, business. That's absolutely insulting our intelligence to suggest that's what happened. That's, there's no way. But yeah, he claimed that, you know, nothing's nothing's been discussed beyond, you know That's a random thing, Kendall. Why do why do and I'm not it's not just a rich Paul thing. I'm not trying to, to bang on him necessarily, but why do Anyone talking to the media, it happens in all industries, but I'm going to stick with sports. Why do people in the sports industry say the most hyperbolic, ridiculous things that we know not to be true? And we're supposed to well, take it at face value. Like, why would Rich Paul say that? We know that's agents, not true. Eight agents are, are, they're paid to do that. I mean, Scott Boris is a professional BSer. Okay, now. At, at the at the winter meetings, he, my, told, yeah. the, the, he told the media yeah, Bryce Harper is, uh, you know, he's getting all his interest from. This is a day after Brian Cashman was like, yeah, I don't think we really want Brian. I don't think we really want Bryce Harper. You know, I don't think he fits kind of what we want to do or our pay, where our pay uh, grade is right now. And the next day, Scott Boris was like, oh, I hadn't heard anything about the Yankees not wanting him. As far as I know, they're still very interested. And people are like, there's no, there's no way. Scott okay, Boris but Kendall, that hear. that to me is about like driving them interest to, to make your client money. This, but that makes no sense. But this particular like national news. But my thing is like he could just he could just be he could say because then it becomes thing. Oh, maybe the Yankees are in, and or if he says that, then maybe it drives the fans to say, oh, well, Yankees should be in. And I don't know what Cashman's talking right. about. Like that st- particular statement that I'm talking about with Rich Paul, which happens again. It's not just him. It's everyone in sports. It's not just agents. It's executives as players but they say stuff that's so outrageous you you literally just got hired to represent this guy and you're telling me you did not talk to him about his his situation with the team current team he's on who believes that uh, how, that, been like how recently, does that make any he sense he might have said I, I don't i gotta look at i gotta find the quote again he might have said something like i haven't talked recently about it doesn't matter <laughs> what the qualification is no one believes what you're saying why is he saying something that makes no sense yeah he said he yeah he said that uh he haven't had any real substantial discussions about that's a lie. His future in that, New Orleans. That is a lie. Your your job is to talk about his future in New Orleans. That, that is literally your job. How are you going to tell me you did not you did not do the one thing you're supposed to be doing? He's like, yeah, basically, the, he's, like, he's going to be a free agent. He's like, okay, thanks you're... for the money. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> yeah, what? I'll talk to you in two years when you're a free agent. Yeah, come that's on, it. man. Like, but like, it's not just again. It's not just Rich Paul. It's not a thing to get on him. We hear this stuff from. Of course, people all the time, and like, and like the media just be reporting it like it's like, oh, I guess that's what's happening. And it's like we guys are calling them out on stuff that's ridiculous. Like right. someone should have challenged him and said, "Really, you've had no conversations with him at all? That seems impossible." Anyway, I mean, it's, it's also Woj's job because this was Woj who reported. It's also his job to uh, keep his relationship with the the agents uh, strong. But that's um, a whole other issue. I mean, so me talking about these Lakers. Uh, I know we got really off on the tangents now. I just that's, yeah. just that's just a pet peeve of mine. But um, I, I here's the thing about the Lakers. At what point do we look at this Brandon Ingram experiment and think that maybe him and LeBron's timelines don't match, and therefore we need to look elsewhere? Because uh, he's the because pl- he's the player I look at. Because the other guys. Here's my thing. My thing is, look, I, you were not very high on this Laker team to begin with. So I think you're not that surprised that they're struggling. 
I mean, I'm surprised given where they started. Uh, right. Well, I mean, I'm not surprised because LeBron got hurt, but like, you know, they they were I, playing great with the way it started. I thought it was legit. Yeah, and but, so, but over yeah. over the course of time, it seems like they're playing closer to where you yeah, thought they gotten, would be. Yeah, they've gotten back to where the regression to the mean. So, so if this is what they are, and like at the end of the day, injuries are part of the NBA season. So, like, it's not oh a guy got hurt. Like that's part of the NBA season. Not a LeBron injury. injury. That's not part of the NBA season. He'll, yeah, I know, right? But if father time. But I mean, in this situation, like eighty-two games, you guys survive, and you build a roster to survive eighty-two games, regardless of what happens. So, this is the roster they built. It doesn't make any sense without him. I look at Brandon Ingram, and I look at what he's done this year. I've seen zero progression. It's not that he's regression in some some cases. Yeah, I mean, it's not that he's jump a, shot. He's no longer a shooter. He's well, a playmaker yeah, his three point shot is, is is completely broken right now. Um, he's a he's a good player. He's got a lot of talent. He's still very young. He's only twenty one years old. So it, by any means, I'm not saying the guy is done. But if I'm building a team and I want guys to play with LeBron that I think can win me a championship, I, I just don't know what he's doing for me. I feel like if I'm going to start somewhere, he's where I'm starting in terms of saying, okay, this is a, a, a blue chip prospect. I can get a lot for this guy, potentially. He kind of plays LeBron's position. He's 21 years old. My best player is 33. Their timelines don't really match. What could I do to get this guy? Kuzma, clearly, to me, he's the guy that you look at and say, you cannot get rid of him. He's LeBron's Scottie Pippen right now. He's the other guy. He plays great with him. Uh, he seems to be improving. I don't not, I'm not unless I'm getting a superstar. I'm not trading him, but I, I would not be afraid to pair Ingram and someone else for a star player. Now, who that guy is, I don't know. But I also think the question would be, what is your goal this year? Which is kind of why I started talking about like the, this team is kind of match your expectations, which are very small. But my thing is, I, I mean, my expectations wasn't for this team to win the championship. I don't think it should have been that way, or to get the championship. So it's not. You're still trying to build for a long haul, then I don't think you should really panic. But if like the goal was to like compete for a championship this year, this team ain't gonna do it because it no. relies it relies too much on LeBron to be superhuman. They didn't start playing well until he started playing out of his mind again. He went he started playing like playoff LeBron offensively, and then that's when they started winning games. But can he keep that up for 82 games? No, he got yeah, hurt. We saw he couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> so so we know the answer to that question. So, so I, I heard really the like, question for me is like, okay, well what? What are you making out of this season? If it's to try to win a championship, then yes, I think you got to do something. If it's just so, to build up, to build a winning culture and to start 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 the building blocks or something, then I mean, my thing is, I just keep seeing what these guys can do, and then maybe handle this during the off season. Yeah, I mean, are we? If you're the Lakers, are you giving the season up? I mean, they're not going to win a championship. Uh, anybody that thought that going into the year was kind of foolish, unless Golden State were really, like had an injury or something. But I mean. There, I mean, look, Rich Paul, the way he's talking about LeBron, he said, "Look, we're we're not we're not going by anybody else's timetable. We're we're taking it step by step, you know, day to day." Uh, made it seem like LeBron might be out for a while. I've heard some people say they've heard LeBron might have a sports hernia. They're keeping that quiet. I don't know if that's the case or not, but they're, I'm they're not saying that, about that. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's that's a rumor. Uh, don't quote me on that one, but. Regardless, this I don't know the severity of his injury, but it could be worse than if it is worse than what we what they're kind of leading on leading it on to be, or even if LeBron is just gonna take it slow because he's an older player. Yeah. Then well, we know I he's mean, been cleared to do practice. They have time? We know he's I mean, been cleared to practice, 
That was yeah. broken today. Uh, but he's not traveling with the team on their, their two-game uh, road trip coming up. So he at the very least probably won't – is at least probably another week until he actually sees game action. And uh, even then, will he be on a restriction? I mean, I'm looking at this January 21st game against the Warriors when they're back at home. That seems early to try to get him back if he's not going, if he's not playing on this road trip. So I don't know. I mean, to me, it was to me they shouldn't worry about their playoff position. They should not. He should have to like he's old, like not old. He's not old because like he he can survive anything. But he's an older player. You you cannot mess around with groin injuries. Like he needs to just take as much time as they can. If that means they fall out of the playoff spot, then that means they're gonna have a lot of catch up to when he gets there. But you sign this guy to a four-year contract. You're in it with him for the long haul, probably for the end of his for the rest of his career. There can't be any messing around and kind of taking shortcuts with his health. So if that means that things get rough and you gotta just live with you know the ball and Ingram show for the next three, two or three weeks still, then you just gotta do that. <laughs> that could be the difference. Yeah, the West is tough. Yeah, and, and you might and you might that miss the, the difference. And you might miss the playoffs. The bottom three right. teams in the West. Yeah, it, it it probably will be, but. You you can't like to me again unless the the goal is to win a championship this year. Which in that case, then you gotta make a trade. If the goal is we have four years of LeBron, we're gonna make the most of it as we can. Then you gotta just be patient and ride this out, man. Um, what do we think about Flames versus Flames and Trash, Kendall? Let's 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 do this segment real quickly. So, who's Flames? Who's Trash? Of course, we do this every week. We break down uh, different sports teams, uh, figures who displayed. Flame behavior or trash behavior from our standpoint, or not even behavior. It could be accomplishments or achievements on the field, whatever that may be. So, who's lames this week, Kendall? I'll go first. I'm going to start off with the Miami Hurricanes, Kendall. I, I called my beloved Miami Hurricanes trash uh, about a month ago. It was well-earned. It was well-deserved with the how they played at the pinstripe bowl. They lost their head coach who, res- who retired after the game. Uh, they ended up hiring Manny Diaz, who was their defensive coordinator, who agreed to go to Temple as their head coach. And since that's happened, Kendall, the momentum at the U is hot. You follow high school college football very much. They just landed top Ohio State recruit Tate Martell, who's a trans who's now going to transfer after after spending two years uh, in Columbus. He's transferring to Miami. Uh, star wide receiver Jeff Thomas, who was expected to transfer, he's returning uh, after after reneging on his decision to go to Illinois. There's a lot of excitement around the Miami. I don't know, Kendall, you got to see the video of Manny Diaz uh, in a wrestling ring type atmosphere, beating the crap out of some tackling dummies that had Florida Gator gear on and seven and six gear on. Uh, I tell you what, if someone's a Miami Hurricane fan, there's a lot of excitement around this program that we have not seen in a long time. And it's kind of crazy coming out of a, a seven and six year and a year that seems so bleak with recruiting seeming so bleak. But I'm, I, it may be early, but I'm telling people to keep an eye out on this. Uh, what my uh, Mark, Ray, oh, excuse me, uh, Manny Diaz is calling the new Miami because there's a different energy that I haven't seen in a long time. So. Miami's Flames this week. Looking forward to seeing what Tate Martell does if he is indeed a, indeed able to get eligibility for this upcoming season. And Mark, uh, and I keep calling him Mark Rick. Manny Diaz seems to really have that thing uh, uh, going. So 
Miami, yeah. Miami's my flames this week. You want to go flames? What, uh, go for well, you. Ask before I go flames, um, have you seen? Uh, I know you've probably seen a little bit of the, of the Elite Eleven. I don't know if you've seen a little bit of the Elite Eleven with Tate Martell, but there's a uh, reality show out there called QB One, where Tate Martell was was featured. Uh, at his time at Bishop Gorman, and I've only seen a little bit of it, but from what I've heard, <laughs> Tate Martell is a, is a very, very, very interesting character. Every, I mean, every, seen... Everything I've heard from him is that he is as confident and as cocky as they come. Yeah, I mean, and he sounds he like could... a Miami Hurricane. Yeah, oh yeah, he sounds like an old school Kane. Um, it, he he comes straight from the, and we've seen a lot of these guys. Honestly, a lot of the NFL now. Uh, at least the young quarterbacks, a lot of these guys and in college have come from the Johnny Manziel tree of a lot of these, a lot of these guys watched Johnny Manziel growing up. Yeah, I mean, Johnny Manziel. Kyler Murray comes yeah. from the Johnny Manziel tree. You know, he grew up idolizing Johnny Manziel in Texas. Yeah, Johnny Same Manziel is is one of the more influential college football figures, players of the last decade, yeah. without question. One of the football players, I would argue. Yeah, definitely. I, I could argue, yeah, I'd agree with you. Yeah. You know, like there are dudes I I know for a fact that we're number two in college college football because of Johnny Johnny Manziel. I mean, Shea Patterson, you can tell that dude. I mean, he wears number two. He's another guy comes from that Johnny Manziel tree. But um, Martell is absolutely a Johnny Manziel like, and he's an electric talent. Yeah, he's an electric talent. I mean, I'll tell you what. I'm curious. You know, shout out to Lewis Dolly. He works at New York One, Ohio State alum. You know, he even he is, and he's someone who follows the Buckeyes religiously. He is very alarmed at the idea of letting Martell go for Fields, and that tells you a lot. Because oh, Justin I, Fields, I, Justin Fields is nasty, but he says this, this. He's watched him at practice. He's watched this kid. He says this kid Martell is the real deal. So. And yeah, it's, bold. Look, it's bold. It's bold to drop. You got <laughs> no qualms about letting Martell. That's go. what I'm trying to say. But like, that, Fields has some pressure now because you give up. You got a yeah. five star recruit, a, a top. The, the, when he was like number two and number three quarterback in his position, the player at his position at quarterback, yeah. you let him walk. Yeah, you, you better get it right. <laughs> so yeah, uh, so we'll see what happens. But uh, but I had to I had to mention my Hurricanes because I said they were trash and that hurt me and. And they had some other recruits too. They had a kid from USC who who actually went to Tate Martell's high school. That kind of preceded this yeah. move, and then another kid from Buffalo, I think. So there are a lot of transfers that are really intrigued by this program since Manny Diaz has taken over. So they deserve that praise. Who's uh, who's playing for you, Kendall? Uh, who's playing for me? Uh, I'm gonna go with Little Penny. Um, Little Penny. Those, yeah, who's, man. Who's, for who's, those that don't know, yeah, let, let people know who Little Penny is. Lil, Lil, Lil Penny is uh, if you're a little younger, uh, you, you don't you probably haven't seen the commercials, or if you're not a Memphis fan like I am, you haven't seen the commercials. But uh, he is a a doll voiced by Chris Rock in Nike ads uh, that were played when Penny Hardaway was a star for the Orlando Magic. So um, this was a very popular Nike campaign, and Penny Hardaway was on Get Up on ESPN today uh, on Wednesday, and He's being interviewed uh, about uh, his Memphis basketball team and, you know, the Rick Barnes, Penny Hardaway beef and all that kind of stuff. And Mike Greenberg of ESPN asked Penny Hardaway, are we going to see Lil Penny again? And Penny responded saying uh, that 
uh, Little Penny is getting in shape, uh, <laughs> and he's getting ready to make a return. And well, is, Chris, is Chris Rock coming back to support the Tigers? But this mean that Chris Rock is going to be involved with this because that to me that, like, he mean, has to what, be involved. That, that's what a lot of people are wondering. Um, you would, I mean, you yeah, you would think that he has to be involved, or else it's it's a B it's a B rate Little Penny. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. other guy that people are mentioning, the only other guy that they could do is Kevin Hart. If they really want right. to, like, modernize it. But then the question becomes, the question becomes, like, Kevin Hart and Chris Rock are, I would say, A-list stars. Uh, Chris Rock maybe could argue B-list, but, I mean, he you can almost, you, he's close to A-list if he's not A-list. Like, yeah. are these guys doing, this generation, are these like, guys, yeah. Overall. Right. Like, are these guys, are these guys doing something for the Memphis, University of Memphis? Even if it's Penny Hardaway. Well, I I agree. And that's why I have a theory about this. Because, look, this appearance by Penny Hardaway on Get Up, very random. Heard about it yesterday. Uh, It was, like, reported, oh, yeah, Penny Hardaway's going to be on Get Up tomorrow. And, look, as a Memphis fan, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's cool. You know, it's great to get national recognition, but we haven't done anything. You know, we're not doing anything. <laughs> we we're we're an average basketball team. And we got James Wiseman coming, but that's that happened months ago, and we ain't gonna see him for like a year. So I I don't, I don't know what the story is. The Rick Barnes thing happened like a month ago. So I mean, you could talk about that, but that's not relevant. So why are they bringing Penny Penny on? They asked that question. Very kind of a weird question. Not impossible, but it's a little bit of a weird question. My theory. And this is something that was that's been thrown out there a little bit. I wonder if there may be a Super Bowl commercial coming mm. with Lil Penny. Mm. The way Penny teased it, like he's getting back in shape. Mm. I almost wonder if that would be the theme of the commercial. But just given the time, the Super Bowl coming up, it is that does make sense. You, you get a random interview with Penny Hardaway where they randomly ask him about Lil Penny, where he gives a very like. A very pointed answer. I, I I just wonder if it's a coincidence. I don't know. It's a theory. I could be wrong. It may not even be a Super Bowl commercial. It could just, could just be a commercial coming yeah, out. Just a, but. Yeah, just a can Nike campaign. That's a good. That's interesting. Super Bowl seems like a, still a big stage for Penny Hardaway. But they, and they they did have a Super Bowl commercial for a Little Penny back in the day as well. Yeah, and so. like I mean, Busta Rhymes like. Was you know song you know Busta Rhymes and Missy Elliott were you know just had two more commercials with their song last year for the big you know Mountain Dew Ice and Dorito commercial like you know so uh, the Super Bowl does weird stuff like I don't know if the people who like do the advertising always is like up to date with who's hot yeah so they, it, it wouldn't they be, care about the names so it wouldn't be the most surprising they care about the dollars if you're yeah. trying to put money into it yeah. so it wouldn't be the most surprising thing that they took like a, a '90s star and like made a Super Bowl commercial including him so. We'll right. see what happens with that. I'm, 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 I'm intrigued. And by that. if that, you told me it's is... a Super Bowl commercial, then Chris Rock would absolutely. Say Chris Rock that. is doing a Super Bowl commercial. Yeah, he's taking, <laughs> he's taking that bag, regardless of <laughs> Memphis Tiger affiliated. Yeah, um, I don't think he cares. Kendall, my trash this week. I'm going with uh, Nick Saban and the Alabama program. Of course, they they lost in pretty embarrassing fashion in the national championship game. But that's not why they're trash. Because at the end of the day, uh, you know, college sports is all fun and. They played against a really great team, and they just got beat that day. I'm calling Nick Saban the program trash because Saban can't seem to keep anyone from his coaching staff to stay on board. Today, Tosh Lupua, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Lupoy. Lupoy, thank you. Uh, 
he's out. He's a defensive coordinator. He's w- was uh, credited as their top recruiter. He's leaving the program to take a job on the Cleveland Brown staff. As far as I understand, it doesn't even say what job. This ESPN article doesn't say what job that is. So, from what I've heard, is probably D line coach, which I think okay, D line. I think that's what he was at Alabama initially. So he's not uh, going. He's giving up a coordinator job to be a position coach, though it is in the NFL. Kendall, that is now, which uh, is weird. I mean, being a position coach in the NFL on the defensive side is not a good. It's not a good thing anymore. It's not, like, a, great it's not a good gig. Yeah, like who who's getting <laughs> NFL jobs from that? Spot. They ain't hiring. I mean, Brian. They Flores don't want to hire. Get hired they don't want to hire defensive Dolphins. coordinators, right? But yeah, I mean, you're gonna have to fight to get a coordinator job, and and this is the Browns, mind you. I mean, there's no guarantee. Right. You're gonna be good. So he's starting at rock bottom anyway, and let alone he's playing. It's he, not like he's going to the Rams. Exactly. To be defensive line coach. That's an easy job. Yeah, or the Patriots. So, um, so that now adds to the list of departures that includes Mike Loxie, who's not the head coach in Maryland. Co-offense coordinator Jared Josh Gaddis, who went to Michigan. Quarterbacks coach Dan Enos, who's down uh, the offensive coordinator for the U. Uh, offensive line coach Brent Key, who is now at Georgia Tech. I feel like something is afoot at Alabama that we don't know yet. I can't imagine what it is, but this is strange. It's the second year in a row where we've had these massive coaching uh, changes uh, but this one, I think, seems to be more crippling than even last year's uh, massive departures. Uh, this is not a good look. And I think that... And you saw I, what Josh Gaddis said about Nick Saban. What did he say? I did not say what he said. He's going to Michigan. And he said that Nick Saban, you know, he said he got his butt chewed by Nick Saban when he told him he was leaving. Oh, of course Nick Saban was not happy. Yeah, of course he did. Nick Saban has no, like, he, you know... He's a control freak. Yeah, he's yeah. a control freak. And like he's not gonna be the guy who's like, Oh, I'm happy for you. He's gonna be like, What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> That's just how he's a, he's built. But and, but I say that because I, I kind of wonder, you know, uh you know, I know Jay Z said if you're waiting for the end of the dynasty sign, then what seems like forever is a mighty long time. And then at the end of the day, the Rockefeller dynasty was over. I, I'm starting to wonder if this Alabama dynasty we're seeing the beginning of the end. I don't wanna take much credence into the game because that's one game they're still a dominant program but i don't think it's sustainable to have just a new coaching staff every year we've already seen a little bit of the recruiting dip because of it just this year so yeah so that so the idea that they're gonna have the best players every single year well we've seen the beginnings of that maybe starting to fade nick saban's getting older these coaches seem to be not willing to put up with his crap anymore I, I think this I think this I think this is not nothing. This is something this doesn't happen to any other program in America. I, this is the only program that we think that could possibly even survive it. So I'm calling them uh, trash right now because I I starting to wonder if the Alabama situation is we're starting to see the beginnings of what could be their downfall. I will the only thing I will say I agree that this is not good for Alabama. Um, they have they've kind of had a little bit of a revolving door anyway and they've been successful, but. It's hard to sustain this, um, especially. And we even saw in the national championship game, we talked about the coaching level just was not as high as it has been in the past. Yeah. Um, some of you, some something makes you wonder. Maybe this is some of this is saving. You know, being like yeah. get out. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, maybe where he's like, I gotta screw these recruiters. But like, you know, but I, like, I, but like, why would you not have guys in place to replace them? 
Like that's yeah, that's like, the weird part. Like yeah. Dan Enos was supposed to replace Loxy, and Enos was like, "Nah, fam, I'm out." Yeah, <laughs> like, like some of the guys he's had plans for are leaving. That's the strange part, and they've had like multiple options. I mean, I heard Tashu Poi was thinking about going to Georgia. Uh, like Dan, Dan like, Enos was thinking about going to Georgia. Yeah, Dan Enos was thinking about going to Georgia. You guys might feel like the grass is greener for whatever reason. So that's strange. But the one thing I will say is, I mean, I had a Kendall's court months ago talking about. Duke, after Jeff Capel left and saying, look, their recruiting is falling apart. You know, they're not involved with any top guys. They're not favored for any top guys. They were involved with top guys, but they weren't favored to get any top guys. You know, Brian Antoine had just committed to Villanova, and he was a Duke lean. And I was like, man, the, the, shit, be simp- <laughs> the, shit, the shit be sinking for Duke right now. <laughs> uh, and since then, they, they, they've gotten three top 40 commits two five stars including vernon carey jr yeah he's a top five guy and we'll likely get isaiah stewart who's also a top 10 big man so um i mean clearly like i said i, I jumped the gun on the, the fall the fall of duke basketball so i i'll say i'll say the same thing about alabama where i will not i will not make the same mistake twice as well as here as well as here kendall let's let's uh let's uh let's let's go with what you got for trash here yeah, real quick for me, uh, Trash is going to be Oklahoma football program, uh, Lincoln Riley. I have respect for Lincoln Riley. He did, he did a great job the last couple of years at OU. Um, he, uh, they just picked up Jalen Hurts at QB. That should be interesting. I, I'm not as high on that move as some people are. Some people are like, oh, he's, he's definitely winning the Heisman. I mean, I don't think Jalen Hurts is one of the seven or eight best quarterbacks in the country. I mean, so. Jalen Hurts, though, the little bit we got to see from him, he looked like a much improved He looked improved. Player. And yeah, you, put him in, you put him with that Oklahoma offense and them Big 12 defenses, you may be surprised. It's going to be tough, man. I mean, it's going to be tough to beat out two. I'm telling you, man. Fields. I'm telling you. Lawrence. That OU offense and them weapons from, with that those defenses that play that think they're playing defense in the Big 12. I don't know what they actually are doing. But the, the things that claim the, – the units that claim themselves to be defenses in the Big 12 are not going to be like anything – Hurts was seeing in the SEC. This is going to be the year of the quarterback, man. There's going to be so many good quarterbacks in college football next year. Yeah, a lot but, of nobody wanted to go I mean, to the NFL. Justin Herbert, yeah, Justin Herbert's coming back, which is also going to be dynamic. But um, Tyree Jackson but, uh, transferring. His, oh no, he went to the NFL. Um, yeah, he decided to go to the league. But, uh, but the one. reason Oklahoma's trash and another quarterback that is going to be a starter, uh, Austin Kendall, who was uh, Kyler Murray's backup at OU. Uh, he entered the transfer portal, which is becoming the most random, like breaking news now. You know, that is it's not true. really even like a source thing. It's like, I mean, anybody can just Google the the transfer portal. Yeah, you just you see, know, I, you just Google every couple of minutes to see or keep hitting that refresh button. See, I found what, what out, happened. I saw like an Ohio State fan was the guy. He found out about Tate Martell being the transfer portal, and he like took a screenshot of the actual transfer portal with Tate Martell's name, and I found out some dude. Like one of Pitt's backup quarterbacks was transferring. I, <laughs> I like saw some guy University of Pittsburgh quarterback. I was like, wait, wait, who is this kid? And I, I was like, yeah, I guess he's transferring. But it wasn't like huge news, obviously. Yo, we need, to, yo, we need to just, we need to, we need to become the transfer portal reporters, man. Yeah, we should just like, refresh. Like, you, know, you, know, you know how much, you know how many followers and and retweets and stuff we could get if we just became like the transfer portal dudes. Oh yeah, something you to know. think about. <laughs> but uh, and did you know that Tate Martell's name is actually Tayson, or Tate is short for Tayson? Which uh, is also strange. That is interesting. Didn't, I don't know if that's normal for all Tate people. But Never heard um, that name before. But Austin Kendall decided to transfer 
to West Virginia as a graduate transfer. Obviously, it was a little awkward because they're in the Big 12, but Oklahoma decided to block his transfer and basically is forcing him to sit out a year as opposed to letting him play immediately like most graduate transfers. Um, I think eventually they balked on that move, and I think that now they are allowing him to, to, to transfer with no restrictions, but that's only after they got eviscerated by the media. Um, the and, fact that and after the, can, and after they knew pretty much that they were getting hurt was coming. Yeah, exactly. That also is another dynamic to it. Um, I I don't know why it's still a thing that coaches can block or restrict transfers in any way. I don't care that oh you have to play them this season. That that's not important. I mean, there are yeah, a lot that, of great that, players. That's not, that should have nothing to do with anything. You know, you know, I mean, I mean, coach, you know, I mean, coaches transfer the school that they didn't have to play against the next year. Yeah, I know. That I mean, happens all the time. If uh, why why didn't uh, Alabama? Why didn't Michigan? Why wasn't Michigan allowed to block uh, Justin Fields transferring to Georgia? They're gonna have to play Ohio State next year, right? You know, like in theory, yeah, it's gonna make their game harder against Ohio State, but there's nothing you can do about it. If a great player wants to go to a program, I don't care if he's your guy or if he's another team's guy. Or again, like a coach, like if 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 uh, why 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 can't Alabama say you know what? Nah, like we don't think that Curry Smart should go to Georgia. Like they're a you know conference rival. We may have to play against them. Like we would say that's insane. How is that allowed for players? That's ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I'm glad OU uh, lightened their th- they lightened their sense up. The fact that they were even restricting it makes. It makes no sense. Uh, I, I mean, I don't understand. I mean, you, you're you bringing in Spencer Rattler, who's the number one quarterback in the country, uh, lead 11 MVP. You're bringing in um, – now you, you you knew you had a shot at getting Jalen Hurts. You knew Austin Kendall didn't want to be there. So what's the point of blocking that transfer? Well, yeah, it goes back to the thing that the student-athlete thing's a sham because at the end of the day, these are supposed to be students, right? We're supposed to be looking out for their well-being, for, for advancing their education. Like, if this kid – is unhappy at a school and he thinks another school is better for it's him. It's best for him. Why are we why is football have anything to do with why he can't go somewhere else? Yeah. It's ridiculous. But that's it, the thing, is that they, they want to make it about student athletes when it's behooved but when it behooves their case to not give them any rights or money. But when it comes to stuff like this, all of a sudden, no, it is like athletes. It is like sports. You can't have it both ways, dog. It's, yeah, it's, it's I whack. think I could care less about the competition and whether or not I mean look I I I like I me as a Memphis fan Memphis basketball we've had plenty of star players transfer you know twice in the last like five years we've had two all conference superstar type players leave the program Austin Nichols and, yeah the kid playing DJ Lawson now, DJ Lawson yeah so like and both times look it hurt it was like you know screw these guys but at the same time I. I didn't. I didn't care where these guys went. If they would have went to, um, Tennessee, you know, or, UConn, or yeah. if they went to UConn or Cincinnati, I mean, I would have been. Look, we're gonna see those guys. You know, like it. it at, at my point being is that if you play these guys in in conference games, it's not. Or even if they're on your schedule, if they're non-conference, that should have nothing to do with whether or not you're dictating their transfer. And you that, can't, and, it, and it can't be when you, when when they're telling us that the that the scholarship is a one-year contract offer essentially every year to year. You can't after the year 
be like, oh no, you're even though I can cut you, but if you want to leave, the kid oh, is forced to stay. I'm, yeah. I'm, you're legally bound to me. So one year, yeah, how does that make any sense? On both sides, exactly. If it's a one year contract, then after it's the year, like it should just be you can do whatever you want. Which is why they shouldn't it's even insane. be allowed to sit out games. But that's another story for another day, perhaps. In terms of why they got to sit out a year. But you can't have, oh, it's a one year-to-year contract, so the coach who, because he promised some kid in high school or because he doesn't like you, decides, okay, okay you know what, I don't want, you should transfer or get out because I'm not going to play you anymore and you're done. But if a kid decides, you know what, this school, this program, this city, this atmosphere is not the best place, best place for me, I need to help myself and go somewhere else to further my football career or just my educational uh, background. Then the school can get in the way of that. How are schools getting in the way of another person's educational prospects? Educational prospects. How does that that like that even sounds ridiculous? That we have schools that are are halting people's opportunities to educate themselves elsewhere. It, it, it's it's an embarrass it's, it's an embarrassment. It's a disgrace, and the NCAA should do something about it. And they won't because they won't because because they it takes they, power away from those schools, right? And puts and, power into the players, right? And they 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 hate that. But it's just it's just a shame, and I'm glad you brought it up, Kendall, because we need to talk about this more and more so that they get killed for this kind of stuff. Because a lot of people, I don't think, know about the stuff that goes on, and it's a lot worse than I think a lot of these people imagine. Anyway, Kendall, let's get out of here. What's Kendall's court? Yeah, Kendall's court. I mentioned uh, the NBA Hall of Famer suggesting that Zion Williamson shut it down, saying that he's done enough to uh, warrant his NBA draft slot and that he should shut it down for Duke. That Hall of Famer was uh, former Chicago Bull legend Scottie Pippen. Okay. And he was on the jump saying exactly what I just said, that Zion should shut it down and that he's done enough to uh, to play in the league and that he should focus on himself rather than uh, risk injury competing for Duke. Uh, I, find these, I find these comments interesting. I mean, obviously, Pippen was not in Zion's situation because he played at a very small school in Central Arkansas. Um, he does have a son that just committed to Vanderbilt, Scottie Pippen Jr. Uh, not a five-star, but, you know, four-star student. So, obviously, he he uh, sees, he, he knows somewhat about the amateur basketball scene and, you know, is familiar with a lot of these younger players. But I don't know. That that's that's always an interesting conversation. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure Bryce Drew didn't love those <laughs> didn't love those comments. Yeah, I know, right? Now that he's just, <laughs> he has a son coming to his school. Bryce Drew's like, I just lost one point guard, you know, <laughs> to uh, to playing seven games. I don't need to lose my next freshman point guard yeah, only he, playing seven he, games. Yeah, let me make sure I keep uh, Pippen's minutes down so he doesn't look like an NBA prospect. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Poor Roy Williams. No, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, this is the conversation. I mean, people had the conversation with Trevor Lawrence. A little more ridiculous. But with Zion's case, he, I mean, he legitimately, he could shut it down now, and he would be the number one pick without a doubt, uh, barring injury, which, I mean, it's hard to get injured <laughs> when you're not playing. Um, I, You look at Bull Bull, and you say, look, if Bull Bull would have shut it down, he would have been probably a no lower than a top eight pick. Now people are saying he might not go in the lottery because he broke his foot. Mm. So... I mean, that's something to consider. Uh, Bull Bull, I, look, I, I'm sure Bull Bull wanted to win a national championship, but I mean, I've I've watched a lot of interviews with Bull Bull. I've seen, you know, like I have a, I have a good handle on his mindset. I don't I don't think that he was 
like all in on the trying to win a national championship type thing. I don't think he was like all in on the Oregon experience. Uh or else I don't know if he would have went to Oregon. But um regardless, uh I feel like if he could take it back, I don't know if he I I don't know if he plays as many games as he did. Yeah. Or if if like I think I think Zion is more of a I'm not saying he's more of a com- competitor than Bobo is. I don't know. I don't know either guy. Never met either guy, but I, I get the sense that Zion really does legitimately like want to compete for a national championship. Yeah, so, I think those guys that play at Duke, I think that they, they've clearly bought into something. Yeah, they go there. You don't go to Duke to to mess around. Yeah, to be able to play a couple games like, and, then, and then quit. There's a reason Ben Simmons didn't go to Duke or Kentucky or Kansas. You know, in part... You know, he says, "Oh yeah, my my godfather, you know, coached at LSU." Yeah, I'm sure that's the case, but clearly he didn't take college series, and he's he didn't said, take he, winning a national championship series. Yeah, he's he kind of he's kind of said that. Yeah, yeah, he's he admitted as much. So, like, those, so but the guys that do go to Duke, the guys that do go to Kentucky, that do go to LSU, I mean LSU, they do go to Kansas. Um, those kind of programs, they they legitimately want to compete for national championships. Absolutely. So. I can't imagine Zion would even consider this. The question is, should he consider should he? it? Should he, right. And I don't think it's good for his image, I'll be honest. I don't think it's good for his brand. Like If I were talking like money, you, he's best off playing in March Madness, hopefully playing in the Final Four and building his legacy off that. I mean, remember what Jaleel Okafor's brand was. I mean, it wasn't like he was like some legend after winning a national championship, but... One because Tyus Jones won them that championship, but two, <laughs> um, but two, it, it it did help. You know, there were there were people that were like, yo, this dude won a national championship, like, and Zion's on a whole nother stratosphere than Julia Okafor is. So, I'm not saying he's gonna win it. I'm not saying I would pick them to win it, but if you have a chance, you can't. Okay, I don't think they. So so okay, so you're saying because of the chances of, of doing something remarkable doing something remarkable that could that actually does your help, brand to another actually does help your nba life you shouldn't do it but what about the look guy at carmelo anthony what about, what, okay carmelo anthony is the example right um, we always i mean we talk about carmelo and we say he had one in college in the nba but look he did win a championship at syracuse look I that's could, never lost that's never left carmelo anthony in you're some right people's eyes it has but you're, you're for right. a lot of people it hasn't but i guess to me i guess my thing would be it's, it's still the chances of winning a national championship, even for teams guys playing at Duke or Syracuse, is it's still small. It's still it's it's so yeah, hard. The tournament is still a crapshoot. Yeah, yeah, it's a crapshoot. It's hard to win a national championship year to year. So, I guess Pippen's thing is is something like that. Whatever you would gain out of that, worth possibly the chance, which is still small, the chance of you getting hurt. I would argue it's not. I kind of think Pippen has a good point. I'm not saying I don't want him to do it, but. Well, here's the thing. Number one, I don't know if he would automatically be the number one pick if he decided to make that decision. Because I think that people would look at him and think of character of character concerns. And, yeah, and that, that's the other reason why I say that. Like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's best for business. I think right. I think business. that I think that that would hurt him. Now he we he can play, so it doesn't matter. And like being number one and number two, or number one and number three, that doesn't mean anything. But as like if he was the first the first guy that does that, it's not going to help their their draft their draft stock. Now but maybe I, that the, the, only reason, the third or fourth guy that does that is different. The, but the only first guy by the character concerns thing. I agree that that will be a issue, but 
Simmons dealt with the exact same back, you know, the exact same backlash of like he dogged it for the last two months. But he so played this guy, but, he's, Ingram's but he still played. And when, but when push came to shove, all those people that were like Simmons dogged it, he shouldn't be the number one pick. He still ended up being the consensus number one guy. But so I, I feel like when we I get to that point, that's different, Kendall, because it. Simmons did not do the same thing we're suggesting or 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 questioning whether or not Zion. But like can Simmons, do. Simmons went about it in, in probably a more immature way than Zion would. I Zion disagree with that. If Zion left the team. That's way more immature than Simmons. That's not immature. That's that's being in, that you can argue as being intelligent. Simmons was he left his team to drive playing, you know, half measured basketball. And you know, not going to class and getting suspended, and I mean, I don't I, I, like what Simmons was doing was not good for LSU. I mean, him him obviously quitting the team would have been bad, but at least you could have backed it up by saying, "Look, he's doing what's best for his career." What, Simmons not playing good basketball, are you not intentionally, but like intentionally not trying hard? Also, was was bad. I mean, they were both immature ways. I mean, but like, but like he, he didn't he didn't play. But it wasn't like he was playing poorly. He still was putting up numbers. I I, I think you're overstating. We don't we all understand he was dogging. But I think you're over. It wasn't like he was like right, he was putting up numbers. He I wasn't. Mean, was, it, I still would have. Yeah, he wasn't. One. He wasn't Brandon Marshall dropping balls in practice. I mean, he was still right, playing. Right you know what I'm saying? Like that's different than right. not deciding I'm not going to play. So I I still think it's apples and oranges. So I, to me, I, I think that. I, so one, I can't say for sure he would be the number one pick if he did that. Number two, uh, with that being said, I, I think that Sky Pippen is probably right. I mean, I, this whole—I think we're understanding more and more that this whole college thing is a sham. Like, which is what I said <laughs> in the last second. You're right. It is an unnecessary thing for the for the greatest of great athletes. And if you could avoid it somehow, it probably would be more beneficial. So, for a guy like Zion who has shown already that. He's without question a top-notch NBA prospect. Is it worth risking losing money and losing uh, a chance to play at the highest level because you want to keep playing for free or free, quote unquote? No, it isn't. But there's competitive. There's there's the competitive juices that go into it. There's the history of college basketball that goes into it. There's other things that go into it as to why you you probably should still do it. But just in terms of just a business dollar for dollar standpoint. Of course not. I think that Sky Pippen is one hundred percent right, but I don't want him. To, I don't want him to be right, and I don't hope that guys don't do this because I love college basketball. Just like I'm sure the people that love watching college football bowl games, the ten people that are still alive that <laughs> live for that, they 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 are upset that what that what they're seeing too. But it is what it is, and people are getting smart to the system. Like, see, but that and that's why I don't think that that would hurt his. Like, I think it would hurt his his stock, but I don't think it would k- crater it. It's the same reason, like, guys not playing in bowl games. We say, look, this guy is smart. It's a meaningless game in theory. Now, obviously, these aren't meaningless games, but, like... Right, these are meaningful games. Yeah, these are very meaningful games, and he'd just be sitting out. And, look, at a GM, I would call the question, look, if this guy, if he's in a contract year, if he goes sit out... Right, exactly. You know, and say, oh, I got a $100 million contract on the line. I ain't playing these last three games. Yeah, is he going to, like, say, oh, my my knees kind of hurt, like, I, you know... Like yeah, like like it might not like obviously he can't just be insubordinate, but will he not go out there with an injury or or kind of like you know embellish an injury he right. has so he can avoid? You playing? know, this could be a a sign of future behavior uh, that would alarm some GMs. Right, it will. So again, I'm not sure if it's the smartest thing in terms of all that stuff, but in terms of just well being 
and securing the bag. It's certainly the safest route. Securing the bag route. is absolutely the safest route. There's Again, I don't see how there's any arguing that. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think the guy that would be better off doing that, who I think has... Well, I don't know. It, it depends. I was going to say I think Job Morant should think about doing that, but he has a lot to game playing in March in terms of Morant. But... Yeah, I uh, think I, I, honestly, I, I I would disagree. I think someone like John Morant needs to keep playing because, as great as he is, like he still needs to kind of keep proving to people that like he's not like some small, small, you know, small school guard who, who's right, caught right. fire. Like, he needs to keep showing that he's a top notch player. So I would say he needs. To we we saw what March did for Kerr McCollum. Yeah. Uh, but then I look at a guy, Dame he play a, a lick in in the NCAA tournament. And he was the number six pick in the draft. Now I'm not saying that but he played Brad, every Brad game, top five pick. right? And he but played, yeah, but like, yeah. no, Lil didn't sit out any games. Yeah, so that's, that's yeah, the exactly. Uh, but I think that's going to be a good place to wrap the show, guys. So hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk podcast. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel, New Generation Media. We do have two new videos up. If you're a fan of uh, the DC Universe series, Young Justice, we're doing weekly. Uh, review shows on the episodes that get released on the app and of course we talked a lot about Luka Doncic and his all-star credentials on our YouTube channel so of course whenever me and Ken talk about you Luka this is very fascinating so make sure you check out our YouTube channel make sure you subscribe new generation media make sure you give us some likes on those videos and comment below on those videos on your opinions on what what you think should happen with whatever we're talking about and then of course follow us on Facebook new generation media follow us on Twitter at New Generation Pod and on Instagram at New Generation Podcast. Follow me on Twitter at EJ underscore Stewart and on Instagram at Action EJ. And of course, you can find these podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher at New Generation Podcast Network. That does it for now. We'll be back next week with more sports talk for Kendall. I'm EJ. Peace. <laughs>